Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey, welcome back. So I want to start off today talking about the auto loan market, or more specifically, uh, an article over from Wolf Street, written by Wolf Richter. Always excellent work over there, uh, updating us on on all sorts of, of important economic and monetary news, and, and, le- and in this case, leading indicators. The, the title of this article is Subprime Auto Loans Blow Up, 60-Day Delinquencies, shoot past financial crisis peak. So what this is referring to is basically the the rate of delinquency among subprime auto loans. Subprime meaning loans that were given to consumers, to borrowers that had, well, less than prime credit, usually pretty poor credit history because of a high utilization of credit, usually uh, maybe some defaults or some poor payment history in their past. Overall, anywhere from 20 to 25%, according to this article, of, of each auto loans, of, of auto loans each quarter, are subprime rated. And, and I want to talk about the implications of this for the broader financial system, as well as some of the banks that are caught up in these lending practices. But specifically, I want to focus on the fact that this can be viewed as a leading indicator. Delinquency rates on credit cards or auto loans or mortgages can serve as, as an indicator of, of consumer health, of, of the health of the finances of, of the average consumer, not of banks, not of corporations, not of the government, but of average consumers, or in this case, maybe more Consumers more on the subprime side of things. So anyways, the 60-plus day delinquency uh, rate currently as of August 2019 is at 6%, which is the highest it has been not since 2008, 2009, but actually October of 1996, in which it it, it shot up pretty significantly in, in about a three-year period before it coming back down to earth. The, the current delinquency rate in the past I don't know, eight years has, you know, sort of followed a seasonal pattern, but currently sits a full percentage point higher than the peak during the Great Recession, which was about 5% for for subprime uh, lenders. Now, on the prime side of things, auto loans for for those that have much better credit, which is the majority of auto loans, uh, it's actually at a very low rate, which could be viewed as a positive, I guess, for, for these financial uh, companies that are doing these doing this lending currently is sitting at less than a half percentage point default which is you know pretty darn close to like a record low uh, for reference during the great recession that spiked to about one percent so even during the great recession the financial crisis the delinquency index rate on on prime lenders or par- prime borrowers was still pretty low now, to put this in perspective, before I get to the whole leading indicators piece of things, is this a threat to 
the broader financial system. Not specifically, no. No, not like subprime mortgage crisis would, was a, a threat to the broader financial system. Uh, because simply put, cars are, are cheaper. I mean, let's not overcomplicate this with, with even just numbers of, of the actual scale of this. I mean, the auto market is much smaller than the housing market. Even if, you know, uh, an average household has more than one car, and I don't know what the statistics are when you account for, for urban households and whatnot, but, but even two vehicles, you know, we're talking a max of, of 100,000. If they're going out and buying, like, you know, a pair of, of, you know, decked out pickup trucks or something like that, which have, I feel like have gotten ridiculously expensive these days. But if they're doing that, their house is probably worth 250K, 500K, a million, I don't know, much more than that. <clears throat> and the same thing goes for, for these specific, you know, prime versus subprime lending markets in the auto market versus the housing market, Right. And so if this is a housing market that we're talking about, obviously there's a huge threat to the financial system too. You know, if, if we're just talking about the auto market, it's, it's less of a threat. There's going to be losses for a lot of these companies. It's certainly not good news long-term for, for auto manufacturers, uh, because as we see these loans blow up, you're, you're eventually going to see the, uh, the willingness of these companies to to lend out this money decrease at least for a time period. Right now, they're obviously being far too lax with their lending practices, uh, far too long of of loan durations, too high of interest rates, because these are just not credit worthy individuals in many cases. So eventually, we'll see it blow up, and and we'll see those credit conditions for for at least auto loans probably across the board tighten, and and that's going to be a huge problem for, for auto manufacturers because, and as well as car dealerships, because right now they're sort of thriving on this cheap credit without this cheap credit. It, or I shouldn't even say cheap credit because it's very expensive credit for a lot of these subprime uh, borrowers. It, without that, it, they, they would have a difficult time selling as many cars as they do now. Um, and, and, and these dealerships, manufacturers, they operate on, on thin margins, um, margins that are, uh, usually dependent on on higher volumes and and when those volumes decrease we're going to see some serious problems um, arise so yes there's there's some threat to auto manufacturers car dealerships and yes to the lending institutions that that are responsible for these really crappy loans but the threat to the broader financial system is is less than uh, a, a subprime crisis in housing with that being said like I said, this can be used as a leading indicator of sorts for, you know, the the overall financial health of the U.S. economy. Basically, if, if you see a higher delinquency rate, that's indicating that consumers are having trouble paying their loans, having trouble keeping up to date on, on their, their car payment, right? And, and car payments vary depending on the length, the, the interest rate, you know generally in the couple hundreds of dollars, you know, but basically what this is showing us is that, you know, for a long time now we've seen credit, uh, basically debt in the United States climb, um, you know, with the exception of mortgage debt, which has, has stayed steady or decreased, 
uh, partly because of people paying it off, partly because of people buying less people owning houses or buying houses. Um, but otherwise, uh, student loan debt, uh, credit card debt, auto loan debt, and other types of, of consumer debt have steadily risen in the last 10 years. And, and that has been the, the fuel for the economy. You know, without that debt, the, the consumption that was made possible by that debt would, would not have occurred over the last 10 years. But eventually, that debt has to be paid. And, and eventually, that debt becomes a very high burden on consumers, especially if you throw into the mix higher rates of inflation, higher costs of living for things like rent, uh, as well as as just fewer wage increases and and higher rates of unemployment or underemployment. All of a sudden, making the payment on, on a car is less realistic, even if uh, six months prior, it, many of these individuals were having no problem uh, making that payment. So something certainly to keep an eye on and, and certainly, I think, it serves as, a, as an indicator of, of the financial health of especially subprime borrowers and, and an indicator that, you know, the American people are, are saturated in credit and, and this is not going to end well. Now, the other topic I did want to discuss today as well is the, um, the situation in California. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's real two big topics here that that I think have a bearing on the broader economic picture for for California, but as well as uh, the United States as a whole. The ongoing wildfires and and the the perennial problem that that has been, as well as these recent blackouts by what is it Pacific Gas and Electric PG PG and E. To attempt to mitigate the risk of of their electrical equipment causing these wildflowers, wildflowers, uh, wildfires, because of course we know that they uh, essentially went into bankruptcy over some allegations, over some evidence that I don't even want to say allegations because there's hard evidence that their equipment was responsible for igniting several of these fires in the past. Very, very costly fires. Billions and billions of dollars of damage in these these massive wildfires, uh, most notably last year. Well, this year we're dealing with more wildfires in California, surprise, surprise, with dry weather, uh, warm and, and fast winds. Uh, you know, the, the usual recipe for, for fires in California. And of course, the, the damage once again is there. Uh, wildfires in California, in Minnesota, where I'm from, in the South, the East, the West. I mean, it's, it's normal to have wildfires. It's healthy. Those things have to occur. And, and in many cases, it's, it's vital for the survival of some species of trees and, 
and for the revitalization of forests. Okay, many of you guys know that, but with the uh, massive development of, of many areas in California, these fires oftentimes are put out before they can can kind of run their course, and, and for understandable reasons. People don't want their houses burnt down, their cities burnt down. Okay, but once again, they're dealing with some very large fires. This one, the, the largest one that they're dealing with, if I remember correctly, is what the Kincaid fire. I'm not as familiar with all this because I'm not from California. I don't have to worry about this as much. Uh, but but north of of the Bay Area, San Francisco, Oakland, uh, and and that's significant because these types of of events, even if they are insured they present as an overall cost to the economy, a cost that doesn't have any fruits to show for it, right? The houses are getting burnt down, businesses, etc. Damage is occurring, billions of dollars worth. And, and yeah, it's, it's maybe insured in many cases. And yeah, there's going to be some spending, some consumption that occurs to rebuild these houses, to, to clean up these areas, etc. But we would be better off if it didn't happen in the first place. I mean, these, these houses represent value. They represent labor and, and goods that went into construction. And their destruction is basically erasing that value. Never mind what, what economists will tell you about the value of, of consumption after hurricanes or, or wildfires or whatever. It's, it's a net negative, not only for insurers, but also consumers and, and ultimately the broader economy. It drives debt. It drives greater and greater amounts of debt, especially uh, in, in um, areas where, where insurance may not have covered the, the losses. And, and I don't know all the details of that in, in California, who isn't, who isn't insured. So this is all interesting, but, but what else I find interesting, this is also not news necessarily. Um, these individual fires are, but but fires in California are not news. What what it is, but it's not anything new. What's interesting is a massive amount of power cuts that are currently taking place in California by PG&E. Again, to attempt to mitigate the risk of, of future wildfires during these high-risk periods, high-wind periods. I get it. I get why PG&E would want to do this. But we're talking about millions of consumers. Uh, uh, the one of the counts I think I saw was eight hundred thousand households. Right, I think that equated to like two and a half million people as an estimate that were going to be without power for a number of hours or a number of days because it takes a while not only to turn the power off but get it back get it back on because they then have to inspect all of their lines, all of their equipment to make sure that it wasn't damaged uh, during the recent winds, during the recent storm. That, I think, represents a real economic cost to California as well. Not only because of, of the, the productivity lost by, by individuals just not being able to, to get their work done or whatever, but also because of the, I think the damage that that does to, to the consumer psyche, people are less likely to consume, less likely to spend if their power is being cut on a regular basis year after year, because they're in a high risk fire area. People are less willing to spend 
when they have to instead spend their money on, I don't know, a generator, on fuel, when they're upset at their power company for, for cutting their power. I mean, overall, it's just a net negative. Now, as of yet, like major uh, industrial or commercial areas haven't been cut. I mean, the Bay Area and whatnot haven't dealt with this yet. But if this does become the normal in California... I mean, California is, is one of the more important uh, states for economic growth here in the United States. And that's kind of the last thing we need. I know these things sometimes seem trivial, whether we're talking about power cuts, wildfires, hurricanes, or uh, uh, what I was talking about earlier with, with the, the rate of delinquencies on these auto loans. But when, when you add these things together, they can create some serious economic damage. We're talking about costs for these wildfires in the billions of dollars. Same thing goes for the power outages, right? Uh, the, the, the delinquencies of these loans, tens of billions of dollars, right? These things add up and they represent a cost and overall a, a, a damage to the overall economy. This is what creates higher amounts of debt, lower amounts of, of consumption, destruction of value, higher rates of unemployment and all of that, uh, damage to the GDP, right? And, and this is occurring at a time period in which the U S economy is already very fragile. Um, and I think it's things that are worth reporting on, uh, and, and looking at this from a different angle from the economic and from the financial angle, uh, rather than just talking about people having their power cut or houses being burnt down. Those are tragic. Those are news in and of themselves news worthy. But these have broader implications, and 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 I hope that that this insight, this uh, reporting, if you want to call it, this analysis from me, has been valuable to you guys. So, as always, I'd like to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for listening to this podcast, and God bless.